Hello and welcome to episode 42. Today we're going to be jumping into the world of AI again, uh, or artificial intelligence, uh, particularly around content marketing. So as I'm sure anyone doing content marketing would be aware, uh, there's loads of time that goes into identifying keywords, doing competitive research, running your own primary research if necessary, and of course, producing the content itself. Artificial intelligence is getting better and better at helping marketers overcome these hurdles and remove a lot of the day-to-day work involved. But it doesn't stop there. AI can help you distribute your content by sharing it to different channels at the right time and can even help you produce the outline of the article. Let's get Jeff on now to talk about why this is such a big thing for 2021. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background and and why you're doing and what you do at the moment? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I've been in the content strategy, search engine optimization, lead gen, conversion rate optimization, anything related to inbound marketing for now, gosh, uh, over almost 21 years. Uh, And, you know, what I focus on primarily day to day is, you know, Market Muse, our you know our product is content strategy uh, technology platform, um, which covers everything from you know how to get started, where do you, what should I be creating, what should I be updating, um, how to make sure that when I'm spending money on content, it's done for the right reasons and wisely. It's going to have performance. It's going to have you know the outcomes that I'm looking for. And you know one of the big things that I you know end up in, you know, working with every day because of that is, you know, people who are frustrated, frustrated with, you know, not knowing how much, you know, what they're getting out of the content investment that they've made, or they're coming into a new business and they're like, wow, there is this just pile of stuff. And I don't know if it, what's working. I don't know what's not. Uh, so, you know, I love that situation where I can, you know, unravel the wires and make it make sense. Say, hey, you're strong on these topics. Here's the things where you could use some help. Here's the stuff you haven't even gotten started yet. Or maybe it's been a gap or a blind spot of your business. Um, and turning that into plans. Um, what should I be creating to put points on the board quickly? How do I achieve you know, the initiative? Hey, I want to own this topic. I want to win on this. Or maybe even just getting ahead of risks, uh, making sure that you know, if you've got a competitor who's publishing you know, faster, better, smarter, than you are. How do we get ahead of that and uh, turn it into a competitive advantage for us? So anything under the sun relating to how businesses create content fast and efficiently. Yeah, I suppose one of the dangers is if you you put together kind of a long-term strategy (laughs) and then six to 12 months down the line, things have changed a bit. But if you don't change your strategy, you do start to kind of fall behind, miss out on new opportunities that pop up. Um, Yeah. So you're having a like a tool or something in place that you can kind of reference even every day, I suppose, just to just to double check, like like a little sanity check on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, things can change on a dime. I mean, whether it be because of a you know a major competitor entering a space, you know, work, the meaning behind words can change over time. You know, you could have major news events. You could have you know intent changing you know the way people think is changing um and so if you don't leave room for you know for opportunistic wins you're just missing out on a huge opportunity there obviously that's the meaning of the word but also you're going to have some reactive items Uh, i always like to tell folks if they're really used to having a rigid you know editorial calendar they should carve out a a certain percentage for finding great like quick wins things that they can they know will have you know meaningful impact and then also for reaction or reactive items so it doesn't have to be a huge amount but yeah the days of planning a 
competitive or an editorial calendar, you know, many months in advance is is just extraordinarily passe and it will end up you'll you'll leave a lot of money on the table. So yeah. So what like what does a standard day look like for you? Maybe not right now. Well, but. It's, it's interesting. Probably since the last time we spoke, um, I I have a new role. Uh, my my I just transitioned from being kind of co-founder and chief product officer uh, for Market Muse. So in that role, I was um, I managed the head of marketing as well as our CTO, who owned um, engineering data science um, product. Uh, and so I was doing anything connected to those two areas. You know everything related to how we market our business, um, both from, you know, we've created a really significant inbound machine uh, through all of our channels. Um, but in my new role, I'm actually uh, what's referenced as a chief strategy officer. Um, and so I'm really, really focused on uh, understanding where the industry is going, kind of, they call it horizon scanning, um, and also um, making sure that um, many of our innovations and our major new initiatives get set up properly uh, for success. So I'm transitioning on January 1st to begin working on some uh, major innovations in our natural language processing and generation platforms, as well as some of our data offerings, uh, which are still very much in their infancy. Um, so that's going to be a big thing for me next year is just it's going to be, you know, learn, you know, we're focusing on the customer understanding what they need um, and then making sure that our innovations align with those, um, you know, really, really hefty initiatives as a business. So. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, definitely see the value in a role like that where you're, you know, const- yeah, just constantly looking to improve what you're doing yeah. and not just saying, right, we've, we've got the product. Let's just yeah. get it to market, get it into more people's hands um, and focus on that, which yeah, he do say a lot. When I like, you know, I, I like to think about way like what makes us special and how can we use whether it be the data or what how can we use our, you know, our advantage to give people interesting insights. Um, and so some like how can we use our data to put information out there, whether it's a research study, whether it's, you know, um, you know, free or or near free or you know, trial type experiences that they couldn't have had anywhere else. So it gets us into, and I know that, uh, you know, Garrett Moon references as, you know, blue ocean, you know, where we're, we're on our own. We're marketing ourselves like nobody else is versus kind of doing the same thing as everyone else and trying to incrementally move the needle 1%, you know, and that's a lot of businesses strategy in, in, in the search engine optimization content strategy game. They're, they're really trying to do what everybody else is doing and, and, and ride the coattails. Um, But we're always really thinking about, how can we put our, how can we frame what we're doing as extremely unique? Because it is, I mean, you know, it's like nobody has ever released a natural language generation platform for content marketers. Um, so how do we take that and turn it into something really exciting that no one's ever experienced? And that's really one of the initiatives I'll be working on. Yeah, awesome. So uh, let's let's talk a, bit, a little bit more about uh, kind of AI then in, and in content strategy. Um, like where does it all fit in? how yeah how does ai help you put together that content strategy and i and i guess with that natural language what is it going to mean for your content strategy in i don't know six to twelve months or whatever yeah i think that one thing people really don't understand yet about artificial intelligence is that there there's you know 
hundreds of, of um, different ways that that can come to market. Not just, there's hundreds of branches, not even just, uh, you know, implementations, but there's different branches of it. So you got people who really, really associate artificial intelligence with robotics, but, you know, most branches of artificial intelligence have nothing to do with robotics. You know, it's not going to manifest in some, you know, robot walking down the street uh, for the types of things that I'm focused on. Um, so one branch that we work on is natural language processing. Um, and so, uh, you know, topic modeling is, is something that we've really innovated in. Um, you know, machine learning is something that you can use to, to build these models and make them more successful and train them to, to do things and make calculations that could have never been done manually. Um, and so in our case, for the way that artificial intelligence impacts content strategy, it starts with the you know, evaluation or the processing of text information. So what we're able to do that nobody else can do is analyze massive quantities of text and say what it's about. We can say whether it's written by an expert. We can say whether it's comprehensive whether it's high quality. So imagine if you could take that and fast track painful manual keyword research where you're typing in a word and you're getting a list of other words and you're kind of having to, to bake together like what is good, what is bad. You're using data points that don't connect to you at all. Um, they're like, you know, historically in, in the search engine optimization and content strategy world, the only data point you really have access to is, you know, Google search volume which, you know, the data point you get is actually framed for paid for advertising. So how does that connect to what keyword researchers are focused on? How does that connect to the content that you have on your site? How does that connect to true competitive analysis? It doesn't. And so what Market Muse is focused on is building solutions that allow you to kind of speed up that process and integrate data points that really tell the story about what you should be writing because you've got historical momentum, because you need to do it to achieve a goal um, or some other point that's better than just, you know, watching a trend and trying to follow the trend, because that's not going to differentiate your business. When you really think about the goal of what you're building, um, why would it matter? Does it really, is that really going to manifest in success? And I always ask people who are using, you know, that as their, you know, kind of North Star, how often are you successful? How often do you take a keyword research process and execute on it. And you predicted the outcome even remotely accurately. Um, and the numbers are staggeringly low. And so what we're able to do with, with our, you know, massive scale trained and tuned models from a research perspective is take you from, I kind of know what I want to do to here's exactly what I should do to have predictable outcomes. And that's a huge sea change for this industry. So you can actually go into content planning almost immediately. Um, and then we take it the next step further and we're doing um, situations where I know it sounds wild and crazy, but we build outlines for writers. We actually generate content briefs that walk through a possible narrative, walk through the questions that need to be answered, the links that should be included in that piece to tell the story that they are an expert. So this is really another acceleration for writers to where they can say, I know that when I execute on this piece, it's going to be successful. And then the last piece, we're really starting to innovate and launch. We actually have a new product launching in January 
it's currently in beta for our current customers, is taking it even one step further. So feeding in that brief and starting to write draft content to inspire your writer. So imagine instead of sitting there and typing in a word and getting a a possible list of keywords, and I'm like, uh, maybe I need to write this article, and I'm not even accounting for my existing content. I'm not even accounting for who I am. I'm not even accounting for my goals. Well, with what Market Muse is doing, I can start with that topic. It'll tell me if it's a one I should focus on, and it'll take me all the way to draft in hours instead of, I, okay, I agreed on this keyword in a few hours, and I don't even know why. So we're going like as far down the road as we can with artificial intelligence and natural language processing and language modeling um, so that writers can do what they're supposed to do. They can do what they love doing. They can be creative and they can write um, and they know it's going to be successful. So it really changes the way that, you know, people are thinking they have to execute content. No, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> ridiculously imagine good. If you could just Imagine if you could just write and like do what you wanted and be creative and focus on production value, how much more work you would get done. And that's the experience that, you know, we're bringing to reality. Um, and without artificial intelligence, none of it was possible. I mean, it's just not realistic. I mean, and, and that's where we're, you know, that's where we're focused right now. It's not just cheap tricks. It's just making your experts and your writers more more happy to do what they're doing um and they know they're going to be successful my my friend um john henry calls it where you know you're inspiring content confidence hey oh yeah we are like you're actually more confident to hit the publish button you know it's going to work so yeah i mean to be given exactly the keywords to focus on is is pretty good to start with but to then be told like this this definitely is an opportunity for you because obviously, if you go into you know keyword, if you do keyword research normally, you kind of look at suggested keywords or like similar keywords, and there's still it, it only works on the basis that the keyword you've started on is correct for you, right? Yeah, exactly. You get that start point wrong, it's a, it's going to suggest you it it will do its job correctly and suggest you other keywords to target <laughs> that are similar to what you've told it to target, but it might be completely irrelevant to you. Um, yeah. It relies on you to make decisions, but you're so it's so ingrained in your brain. Like people are so used to it that they don't think about that. They don't they don't actually add that that load into the costs and that the fact that they've they historically have probably been wrong more often than they've been right in making those decisions. So they just take that as the gospel that they should be the one that drives the start of the bus and it's going to help them. But they don't ever go back and say. Oh, actually, it it took me into a wrong direction. I mean, the the easiest way to describe it is, um, you know, if you go, if you on your personal site, go write the best review ever on, you know, the new iPhone. Um, If you put that same article on, you know, let's say CNET, they're going to do well and you're not. And if you can't answer why, your keyword research is going to be pretty futile. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like because you're, you're making the jobs so easy and, and taking part that part of the research work out of uh out of the process is there the risk that i guess some a lot of the content produced isn't as good because people don't really know why they're writing it they just know they're supposed to write that article on that topic and they've been given an outline you know if they go all the way 
you know, with market music, for example, they get the full outline or maybe even the draft of it, but they don't really know why why that article is being written. They just go into it and go, right, I need to just kind of edit this article, make sure it's it makes sense and and that it's correct and our tone of voice and stuff. So actually, yeah. potentially businesses start, and I suppose it's only a plus for the ones who do it pro- properly, but um, almost like getting rid of the SEO people and the marketers and just saying, well, actually all we need is an intern or a, like an admin person who whose job it is, is to just go and make sure this article makes sense. Yeah, I think that it, it stratifies, first of all, I think it raises the bar on the lowest common denominator. Um, but I think it really does stratify the the teams who, it's probably the same groups who are looking to spam right now. And they're trying to buy the cheapest possible, you know, the, the two cent per word content and publishing that without really thinking. Um, or they're writing content that, you know, you land on a page and you're like, wow, this is written by someone who has no idea what they're doing. I think that same class of person is going to level up, but they're not going to inspire, you know, the, that that subject matter expertise. They're not going to be creative. They're not going to take this, you know, this these building blocks and turn them into things that are fantastic. They're just going to, you know, fill out forms and, you know, hit publish. And that's not the spirit of it. But I think that, you know, the more you, you know, you think about how writing networks have worked for the last, you know, 10, 15 years as you send them, you know, you send them a title tag and you get something, right? Yes. <laughs> you have no idea what you're getting. And, you know, it might, you might have paid for a couple rounds of feedback, but is that, are they truly producing wonderful stuff? I think that the one thing that I'm looking to, you know, change the way that the world works from a content perspective is I don't want that low quality content. I don't want that you know, that one cent, two cent per word content to even exist. I don't want that market to exist. If those folks are going to get that kind of a price point, I want them to at least be able to build content that's readable and and, and high quality. Um, and so what does that do? I think it takes, it, it actually makes great editors and it makes subject matter experts and it makes great writers even more valuable um, and, and, and in demand because you can take the, you know, the Play-Doh and turn it into something that looks beautiful. Are there people that are going to, you know, try to get by with meets minimum? Yeah, but that, that's not the best choice for your business anyway today. Um, and you look at how that's uh, damaged publishing networks. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to name any of them, but, you know, they've all had to go back over the past five or six years and like rewrite everything if they went out with that approach, because it just catches up with you. The low quality content catches up. Um, and that's why you see, you know, major publishing networks and big B2B technology companies, um, even e-commerce companies who have said, wow, we're not publishing anything that isn't past, uh, above this particular level of quality. Um, and they've, you know, they've really changed the way that, you know, there, there's no longer the ability to, for example, have a health care website or a personal care or a financial advisory site that's relatively low quality and is successful. It's just really, really hard to make a business out of that. So people aren't even trying. Um, the standard for any type of advisory or any type of, of really comprehensive in, of information is it has to be comprehensive. It has to be high quality. Um, and so what I'm hoping to do and what Market Muse is hoping to do is make those you know, paths easier and you know, make it so that you know, there is less room for anyone ever putting out something that's just garbage. 
So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Um, I suppose what are the like I said, what, what are some of the first things people need to be considering with with their content strategy? Uh, I suppose if if they were looking to kind of get AI involved in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's how you know what are your misconceptions. I think that one thing that is common um, is that they think they can only do. Um, for, for example, one content inventory every year, or, uh, they think that they, you know, that they, they know what their, which pages already that they should have an update cadence or how frequent they should update the content. Um, or that they're able to, like we talked about before, they're able to build editorial calendars a year in advance. Um, you know, I think everybody, you kind of have to throw a little bit of your preconceived notions out, out of out of the gar into the garbage and really say, what am I trying to accomplish? What are my explicit goals? Um, do I understand what those are? Um, do I have any opportunities to put wins on the board quickly with content? Um, and if I have any mid to longer term initiatives or maybe ones that have already existed for years, I just haven't succeeded at them. Um, that's one, that's something that has to be there. Uh, to to start to train, you know, uh, some processes and workflows. Um, the other piece that I think is is key is, um, you you may think you have something covered enough. Like I love hearing people say, "Well, you know, there's only I can only possibly write one article about that topic, or I can only possibly, you know, I've covered everything there is to cover about that." Um, I can almost guarantee that that's not true, but it also doesn't like speak the language of the reader. It's it's that's very selfish way to think. Um, and what I like to kind of talk to teams about is empathetic content is what's working now. You've got to really think about all the different ways people might be researching, all the different stages they might be, whether they're in early stage awareness, whether they're in you know post purchase troubleshooting. And that topic can actually map to any type of learner, any type of place they're in in that buyer journey, um, or even maybe having multiple target personas. Um, so that's when you really start, you know, building out a wonderful content strategy. When you've got the, you know, the early stage awareness content for learners who like, you know, visual learning, who are in this particular industry. You know, that just takes away the, you know, that preconceived mess of someone saying, hey, it's one keyword, one page, <laughs> which is, you know, for, for a long time, you know, like five, six, seven years ago, that was what SEOs practice. That was what they, you know, put on signs and carried into the room when they were hired. It was like, hey, we're going to build this one great landing page. But what we realize now is that, first of all, it doesn't work consistently. And second, it doesn't actually lead to wonderful user experiences. It doesn't actually speak the language of the user. It doesn't actually appeal to all the types of learners um, and the ways that people like to consume information. And so what I like to, you know, if you're going to get started with artificial intelligence, it's start with the right plan. Start with the right goals. If you want to appeal to your target audience, you know you have to cover the entire purchase journey. Um, and even potentially carry that past you know, post purchase, uh, and, and build content that continues to, you know, nurture your audience successfully and illustrate that you're an expert. I mean, 
you're you write about a topic, you have a business that does something, you want your content as a package to illustrate that you all are the biggest expert on a particular topic. So I think that all of that is your starting point for getting getting going with anything with the content strategy. Um, and then what that does is immediately finds gaps. You're like, whoa, I haven't covered any early stage awareness content. I just thought somebody else was going to do that or I thought that's what people use Wikipedia for. And you're like, no, it's a huge missed opportunity. Uh, you can do that. You can go out and build, you know, your version of something that it frames it along with your expertise. So, Yeah, different ways of consuming content and different levels of uh, like experience and knowledge as well is quite important. Okay. You know, you've got to have... You can't write one article which appeals to both people who have no idea what what they're talking about right. and people who have been doing it for twenty years. Exactly. But then equally, you know, you get a lot of uh, like beginners' guides to SEO, for example, and then oh. advanced guide or ultimate <laughs> guide to SEO. But if you write that advanced, even that advanced, well, yeah, even that advanced guide, there's kind of two ways of writing it. There's writing it for the beginners who have done that early stage stuff and are ready for the next bits, but still need it explained quite simply. And then you've got the advanced stuff for the experts who are still looking for those kind of other ways of thinking and, and those extra opportunities. So even that advanced guide is going to be like for two completely different audiences. Oh yeah, I, exactly. Uh, and, and that's even when, you know, you start to then think about, are you truly connecting the people who are reading it? Um, and that's why I love to kind of really think through all the intents, all the different types of reasons why somebody will be looking for something. Because you start to think, wow, well, if what would it be? And I like to ask a lot of what would if, if, if somebody were looking for that, you know, like you mentioned, guide to SEO, and they land on that, and they are a small business owner in Albuquerque, you know, does that it does the advice you give them actually help their business type? Does it help their, not just their expertise level, but does it help their competitive landscape, specifically theirs? Or are you giving them advice that's not going to be helpful? So what that does is it says, wow, maybe I do need industry-specific content. Maybe I need content that is delineated by the type of business uh, from the size, the size of business, by the amount of content that they can produce. Um, really, really diving in and, and showing that you're empathetic versus, you know, I just need one really long article on this so that I can try to rank. And I think that that's, you know, the journey that uh, takes you from being, a, you know, a, a keyword, a keyword jockey into a content strategist. <laughs> yeah. So, right. But I do think it's, it's probably worth mentioning that you don't have to cover it all. Right. You've just got to make sure that you're not doing an article that tries to cover it all. Like you don't have to write for that uh, bricks and mortar business in Albuquerque <laughs> right. um, because that that's a very different, it's a very different type of content. And if that business is not your audience, there your is no, there's no point writing that content. It's got to be your audience. You've got to truly understand your audience. Like I mentioned, yeah, that, that's the key. Um, you also have to have, just be realistic, right? So if you, you think that you can go write one page on this topic and that's all you've ever done it's all you've ever published but you think you're going to win and in most cases that's not going to happen you just don't have that existing authority um and so you got to be thinking about what other ways 
can you show that you actually know what you're talking about? So you, it will require you. And I, I like to use definitions as an example. Some, you know, you may have a pile of content on a topic and you go and look at the search result and it's a bunch of definitions. You're like, oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go write a definition myself. You may not deserve to rent because you don't have enough authority on that topic already. You may, you don't have enough established expertise. Um, so while you need to know your target audience, you need to write for that target audience. Um, you also have to set appropriate expectations. Like I'm not going to be able to win here unless I've got enough existing footprint um, and just be realistic about that. Um, and sometimes doing that requires you to really dive deep and really, really focus on your audience um, to build content that, you know, you think might even dive a little bit too deep. Um, you know, you think that um, you may be writing things that are just there to, to plant the foundation um, so that you can uh, win on the areas that have more eyeballs. Um, and so that's where I think a lot of folks have significant challenges. They think they can just write one page about a topic and have it succeed. Lots of businesses, even kind of bigger businesses, seems to this idea that like you can just quickly start an SEO strategy or refresh it and see massive that massive results from it. Yeah. You know, people wanting to target page one for super competitive transactional keywords right. when you're up against the likes of you know Amazon on there. Yeah. And then and people just thinking, well, like, all I've got to do is hire an SEO executive or or maybe an agency. And, uh, you know, within a, within a month or so, we'll be there on page one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the one project, uh, one project groups, it pains me. Um, they don't have a culture of content internally. So they don't believe that truly content works and is successful. They're solely looking at this from a search results page perspective. And if I do these things, I can win and then I'll be done. It's just, it's, it's not a reality. Um, there are great, what I call like search engine optimization as a product works where they actually have a practice where they're building great pages. They have a wonderful technical search engine optimization practice. They're building pages that may be scalable and using data and the products they're creating. It might be calculators. It might be wonderful, um, you know, faceted pages that actually do provide value that can coexist that can actually have great content on it and coexist with a culture of content too i think what i find a lot is there's folks that think it's a you know it's a drug and they're going to be able to you know buy one seo and they're going to get success and it just doesn't work i mean it, it is a um it is an unfortunate reality and i i i, I write down the red flags often and one of them is heavily in e-commerce and you mentioned it um, and you said transactional and, and a lot of folks in the e-commerce space think that they don't actually have to write content or if they do they can hide it in a blog and you know that it doesn't actually connect to their transactional success um, and those things are just huge red flags you've got to train that everyone in the business needs to understand the content works uh, in that that is responsible for the bottom line, the KPIs, or else they're just not going to invest enough. They're not going to invest enough time. They're not going to invest enough, you know, internal expertise. Um, they're not going to care uh, as much as they will need to. 
to invest the right amount to drive success. And I think that that's where your content team not being aligned with your SEO team, you know, the warts that that creates in these organizations is, is it, it can be devastating. And it, um, those two teams not being aligned um, is like what I've devoted my entire life to fixing. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think I think I've seen that a lot of a lot of the time content is more linked to social media than SEO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll produce a blog article or something yeah. with the idea that it will go out on an email and it will uh, it will go out on social media, right? And, and that and that's about it. That is the purpose they've they've written this content and produced this content. Um, there's a lot less focus on the SEO side. Yeah, I think the other channels can be great. Um, and you know, I like, uh, I always joke around when someone says, should I break this page into five pages? Should it be one long page? And I'm like, can you creatively do both? Um, any article you write that is part of that content strategy, it's part of the cluster of content you're creating, um, or it is, you know, for the purposes of growing authority or gaining search engine performance is it if you can't turn that into a social media win maybe it's not all that good if you can't if you can't put you know get get a a a a hybrid of that page um or a repurposed version of that page doing well in, in in social or you can't position that piece so that it's worthy of emailing your audience maybe it's probably not something you should write anyway uh, you should be thinking about maybe it's not all that creative. Maybe it's not all that interesting. Maybe it's actually not targeted, targeting your audience. Um, and then on the flip side, it's, is that social media piece that, you know, you get used to it's um, that cadence of, of win with, with social, like, let's say you have a static audience, everything you write that has this particular frame on it will always give you this much steady traffic. So you, you start punching that like a heartbeat. Um, it's why aren't you thinking about ways to repurpose that social media strategy into content? Um, and so the great, great content strategists aren't just creating and they aren't just optimizing. They're really focused in kind of shape shifting and repurposing content that is successful in one channel and making it omni-channel, making it multi-channel. Um I've seen teams that are repurposing superstars, quintuple content, um, published content across channel uh, by taking that approach seriously. And the hardest part of that is actually just getting it done. Uh, but you can look at a social media strategy and turn that into a an effective, you know, organic search performing uh, performance strategy as well. And so I think that if you're writing content and you're like, nah, this really wouldn't do good on social, um, maybe try to make it more creative so that it will or might appeal to your audience. Maybe you need another version of it for a different audience that actually will make it a little bit sexier or however it is that your community, um, you know, gets whatever it is that your community gets excited about. I think that there's a lot that can be said about uh, considering repurposing um, and not just single threading a, a strategy. I was uh, working with a client the other day and they're like, like just what you said. Oh well, those articles are actually for social, so they're shorter and they're um, not. They're not for SEO. And I'm just like, you know, I wish I could just scratch my needles on the blackboard. 
So I'm like, you're spending so much money on that content. It, it could be successful. Let's talk about that. Let's talk. But, you know, sometimes it's, it, it, it's a, a learning curve or a, a change management issue internally. You, you've carved out X amount of dollars for this and Y amount of dollars for this. And it's more complicated to actually integrate all your budget into one strategy um, than it is to just kind of do it the easy way in silos. And But the, the long-term impact of that is just such inefficiency and pain. So, Yeah, absolutely. You, men- you mentioned silos just then. Uh, that's, that's definitely part of the problem. Um, mm-hmm. Most of these teams have their own budgets, their own objectives, their own targets. And it's just, but based on that, there is no interest in working with another team to make sure that this content can be repurposed exactly. because it, it doesn't, because of their targets, it doesn't add them any value. And it's all it does is uh, take up their time and make it harder for them to hit their targets. But exactly. actually, if you kind of looked at it as one big picture, you can say, well, like, like, we're, we're planning this, this checklist or something for the, you know, this seven day checklist for Instagram or whatever. Yeah. And someone else could say, well, we could actually repurpose that into an infographic and that yep. can go here and here. And then someone else can say, well, actually we can write a detailed article on each of those points and put it into one big article with a slightly different approach or something. Um, but it just doesn't happen. Does it? it? It only happens on the best teams. What you just described is what you want to work in. You want to work in that environment. The one that just, you just walked through. If you find an environment like that, hold on to it because it's just, especially in large organizations, it's hard. Uh, but you just described it. I mean, you've got to, I think you've got to write down every possible angle. Maybe you're targeting it for one audience with one repurposed version or an industry, or you're going a little bit um, more generalized or basic with a certain manifestation, or you're taking something that was, you know, a little bit, you know, focused on it being somewhat of a guide and you're turning it into examples. And those examples are the things you're putting on social media to drive back to the guide. You know, um, the, the most fun way that I think about repurposing is the gated content dilemma. It's like, oh, should I put this behind a, a, a barrier or should I? I? I always say like, if you think it's one landing page for one ebook or one podcast or one webinar if you think it's one-to-one then you shouldn't because you just don't get it what landing pages and gated content give you the opportunity to do is like hey this this podcast for example the one we're recording right now this would appeal to you know let's say 50 different audiences well maybe we need to go try to put out as many of those landing pages to appeal to each one of those um so when you are you know only thinking one-to-one idea to page uh, you just, you, you cut yourself short. Um, and so I always like to look at somebody's, um, look at somebody's, you know, social media strategy creatively, like you just did and say, wow, how much, and then you write it all down. And then how much of this can we actually get done? Okay. Maybe only four of them of those great ideas. Well, at least we're starting to think differently and we're starting to think like a team, but yeah, if you've got a business that does work that way, um, yeah, hold on to it. Cause that's what I love to see where somebody's just like, oh yeah, we we uh we post the podcast, we drop the transcript, we build four landing pages for these four target audiences, we go knock out a long form guide, we do a QA follow-up, you know, and, and that's that's a, that's what content strategy is. Cause that starts to really um, you know, frame it out 
and it's not that much extra work. Um, and that's the really, that's the best part of it. It's like you did all the work up front and you just wasted it on the one day of social media traffic that you're going to get. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the hardest, I mean? yeah. the hardest part is putting the content together in the first place. Yep. Then it's super easy to just say, okay, we just got to, it could almost be as simple as we need to take the existing headline and just rewrite it. Yep. And oh yeah. I, mean, I do. We do it all the time. Uh, you know, it, exactly right. And you say yeah. like, people didn't get it, you know, maybe they didn't read it. Maybe you look at your data and use that to frame how you should have repurposed it. So, yeah. I mean, I'm working with a, um, one of my clients is a, like a custom gaming PC builder. Oh, nice. And yeah, we, we don't know at the moment because we don't have the data, but um, obviously the, the expectation is there are very different levels of understanding. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think part of the reason I won the business is because I said I was actually in the, in the lookup for a, a new PC, mm -hmm. a gaming PC. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I, I have a bit of a technical understanding. You know, I, I get an, I have an idea of the difference in a graphics card and RAM and stuff like that. But really there's so much stuff that I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm picking something that's too, too cheap and basic, or if it's like 10 times more powerful than I'll ever need. Um, and all, all these websites are kind of the same. And um, yeah, so now we're thinking, you know, there's got to be content and a way of writing that positions it for those people who don't really know the technical side, but they know they want to play the best games on the yep. best specs. And then there are the people who the the best games on the best specs doesn't even come into consideration. That's almost like the given. Yeah. So that messaging has no value for them because that's that's just what they expect. But what's really important to them is that if they need to, they can rip out a part and put a new one in and, and replace things really quickly. But that should be content that like like once you once you write that first piece of content and outline how to build a PC, it should be really easy to then repurpose the content for those different audiences. Yeah. I mean, you've nailed it. I, and it's funny, I actually used to manage uh, one of the largest forums for um, notebooks and uh, rigs. And, you know, in that specific uh, audience, one example is you have folks that are very, like you said, I want to know how I pull this card in and out and that it is uh you know transferable um or that it is upgradable um i want to know kind of the newest things i want to know how it works i want to be a lot of troubleshooting in that audience that's post-purchase um and a lot of like b2b technology sorry a lot of uh, technology companies uh that are b2c or they are like retailers won't write any troubleshooting content post-purchase they're only thinking all the way to the purchase so that's one big gap that that communities often fill um another one is you know that if you're really into it if you're willing to spend five thousand dollars on a you know a, a sager uh or, yeah sager or an msi or a um or an alienware rig you know you also like what those things look like you like the, you know, that's your like Lamborghini, right? You like the the ways that they are set up. So, you know, one thing that we did was we built out content that highlighted, you know, the way that these systems look and people's like almost showcases of, you know, the most extravagant ones or 
the ones that what does it look what is the gaming rig that plays this game perfectly like it has at least these specs and you know so we've done you know that was that was a really cool example because it's one that i've i've done a lot of work in um but yeah you just have to think critically about what that audience actually cares about um and that's the true test of empathy and it's when you go into a website and it could have been written by somebody who has no idea who it's for that's a difference i mean that's 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 a, it can often be the difference of you know a business you want to spend money with and one that you don't and that's the truth i mean that that's the part that's really hard to quantify it's do you trust this business and did they provide insights and is it a community that you care about or does that do they exhibit their expertise in such a way that Oh, they clearly know what they're talking about. So I trust them and I'm going to make these purchase decisions. So. Yeah. And I think, I think part of that, that trust piece is actually downselling as well. Yep. You know, it's saying to that person, you know, well, obviously like for us, kind of through the content, you know, if you, if you don't really know what you're doing, if you're a bit of a, like, you know, you like a bit of gaming, but you're not like a hardcore gamer, you don't need an Alienware. Right. You don't need to spend five thousand pounds on this on this incredible setup you should be looking in this space this will do exactly what you need it will let you play the games you want and it's going to be a fraction of the price yeah. potentially uh, you know one way of looking at it is you've you're going to cost yourself four thousand pounds per per person because they've they, they're going to downgrade instead of getting the alienware but another way of looking at it is the people who are getting the alienware are going to buy that anyway yeah. the people and the people downgrading have suddenly gone, I can't really afford a 5,000 pound computer. I'm not sure if I can do this to, Oh, they're suggesting a thousand pounds. That's easy. I can do that. Yeah. And that, that is, that is every business, by the way, that is, you know, whether you're talking about in in software as a service, that's product maturity or or audience maturity or workflow maturity. Um, And so if they walk in the door and they know that this is what they want, or they are, they, they understand this workflow. So in my world, if you understand that you want to optimize content, that's the easiest to understand workflow. So if you just want to go into use market news and update a few pages of content that you write every, every month, you have five pages you want to update. If I sell you an $18,000 a year uh, offering, it's not going to be a fit. That's where you, you know, you need that $79 or that $179 a month offering because you think, Hey, Everything I ever want to do is just update five pieces of content every month. That's all I want market news for. Okay, cool. So I can put you in that, you know, in that proper um, package. But then when you get in there and you're like, oh, wow, I should learn about, I I should write articles that are going to win, not just what I want to. Well, then that's that next level of maturity. That's going to cost more. Just like you buy that first entry level PC, you play these games, you're like, oh, wow. I actually should get this other thing. I actually should get this upgraded memory card. Um, and so like good, um, good marketing puts people in the right car. I mean, you put them in the right, like you said, laptop, you start them in a place where they feel comfortable and they can grow with you. And that's, you know, that's every type of business that, you know, leads with, um, leads with and, and understands their audience and, you know, doesn't just, you know, throw them in a race car and expect them to race formula one. Because that just doesn't happen. If you've ever sat in a race car and you're not trained, I have unfortunately done this. The first time you press the pedal, it feels like um, you're in a spaceship and you should not be driving that car. In fact, you probably drive the car around the track slower than you would 
if somebody just puts you in your normal car. Um, yeah. That's really how it works for everything. And I think that, you know, when businesses stop just looking at average order size um, and start thinking about their customers, it changes everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, just bringing it back to AI a little bit. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> I know we, we kind of talked about, I guess, the, the trends coming from right. the AI industry point of view. But do you see any big way, big trends in the way that businesses will use AI? Um, oh yeah, I think the that, content marketing? You know, that you know, I know we got a little bit off into into buyer personas and thinking about the customer, but I think the one thing with artificial intelligence is that's coming is that um, people are going to be thinking about web-based or virtual experiences. Um, there are some awesome customization, personalization options, um, predictive options for, you know, when someone's coming onto your website, delivering the actual content that they care about. So personalization is a big thing. I know on 24, Cirrus, um, Proof is another one, um, but I'm just naming off random vendors that do things you can go check out. But it's like where I go on the site and it predicts based on what it knows about me, or characteristics about me that it can learn over time as I'm using the site, experiences that I would like. I mean, I think that that's coming um, from you know my particular space in natural language processing, topic modeling, and generation. Artificial intelligence generated long form content, um, where you know I'm, I'm saying long form like not a sentence, you know, longer than a few sentences, um, where is going to be part of the workflow. Uh, you know, it already is happening. Um, and so people are doing it with templates now in certain works, workplaces and certain um, businesses. But in uh, 2021, the big trend that you're going to start to see is people um, taking their preconceived notion of like scary robot writing content and throwing it out and saying, wow, if I want to get 25 articles done that cover this entire cluster, and that write for, like we were talking about, and actually repurpose my piece and turn it into five different formats and speak to six different audiences. Um, the only way I'm going to do that is if I get some help. And I'm either getting help from humans or I'm getting help from a machine. And the machine's getting me, you know, two thirds there so that I can actually put my expertise on top and make it shine and actually get out that entire pile of content that I need to get out. Um, I think that that's really where you're going to see content marketing change next year. People are going to realize that natural language processing and generation is just another club in the bag. Um, and, you know, that's one that um, we're already seeing the, you know, the first mover teams crush it with. Um, and it's very exciting. Yeah. I think um makes sense on the content side. You know, yeah. Like you said, if, if I was, I was just thinking that before you said it actually, but <laughs> Yeah, if you've if you've got a way of writing twenty five articles about a topic mm-hmm. to cover all the different aspects and and different personas and things, yeah, it's you've either got to hire people to do it, and then you've your quality is going to vary. Um, yeah. It might all be good, but the quality of very tone of voice will vary. You know, there's always going to be those changes and things, and that's yeah. not always a bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. it can be good to have to have it obvious that there are different writers on a website. Yeah. Um, but if you can kind of press a button and come back to it tomorrow and you've got the outline of 25 articles, yeah, then, you know, pretty great. <laughs> but by the end of the week, you can have, you know, you can have those articles done. 
yeah, uh, right. instead of by the end of six months. Well, and we and we quantified the you know we've tried to quantify what it means to be an expert from a standpoint of quality and comprehensiveness, um, and so you can at least set the standard for that too. So if you have people writing off of these briefs, which is great, by the way, let's say you could do that twenty five example. Well, you can say, hey, I need at least this level of comprehensiveness, um, and then they can check it before they give it back to you too. So qualifying you know qualifying content can lower the number of lower the amount of feedback and just speed it up. Um, and we find that writers, when they have guide, you know, guardrails like that, um, and they're like, be as creative as you want, as long as it hits this one particular metric uh, for comprehensiveness, you yeah. get better, you get better content. I mean, and, and that's so consistent. You get higher quality content because they're, they're actually able to focus on writing instead of, you know, oh gosh, do I need to, you know, go do some more keyword research. And no one, no writers really love doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so just on the, the personalization piece, I think that's really important as well. Um, I'd love to see more of that come in where it's yeah. not just saying, I don't know, you you bought a black T-shirt, so we're <laughs> going to show you more black T-shirts because that's obviously a product you like. Right. Um, kind of d- digging into more of the data and more of how you've actually browsed the website might might be how you've interacted with emails and things as well. Yep. And, and pulling that data in to try and work out what is what is the product we need to be recommending you next. What, yeah, you know, I mean, okay, maybe it's a bit of an easier example, but with the PC builder, you know, we know you've taken this step, you've bought this PC. So, what what is the tool going to suggest you next? And it, it it shouldn't just be the latest graphics graphics card in, exactly. in a line or or just the next one step up, um, you know, it can be considering a, a lot of what you did, like how, how much time you spent on the website, how much time you spent putting that PC together, whether you interacted with customer support or sales to get advice and things, or whether you read blog articles as well yep. to try and get an understanding of your understanding of what you're doing. So then it can say, well, yeah, this, this person's still a, still a bit of a beginner. So in 12 months time, let's recommend them, this little upgrade to take them to the next level or it says like this person's super keen like they really know you know they might not know what they're talking about too much but they're really keen to understand it so actually we think we can push them a bit of a bigger upgrade because it's it's going to take them to you know several levels up which is what they're really going to enjoy yeah and i think that for a long time what you're describing i think that marketing teams have uh, almost hurt themselves by uh, thinking about what you just described as being only like nurturing or lead nurturing. Um, so they have, you know, nurture content that they email in a cadence and, you know, some people read it, some people don't. Um, that data exists on your, in your existing analytics. Um, so there are some businesses who are, you know, heavily focused on intense data um, and trying to derive conclusions like you just described. Uh, it's actually a, a, a business I used to work with um, is, is one of the people on the forefront of that. And, you know, walking somebody through and saying, hey, if if this person went in and they read, you know, every middle of the funnel, you know, pricing comparison content item uh, that you have um, and they, you know, walk through your site like that, what is the ideal thing that you should communicate to them? It's not just, oh, I should call this person because they're a hot lead. It's 
you should give them an experience that is the right next step. And answer their next five questions. Um, that's going to actually cultivate a better nurturing experience. So I think that this is what people are dreaming about, but they're not yet have letting that. It's not yet manifesting on their site because they're not putting all that usage data into their site such that they can deliver the right page. They're just kind of thinking about it like promotions and promos and, uh, you know, or they're thinking that nurturing something separate that, um, the surge of excitement that somebody, you know, when somebody is in that, you know, in that learning journey or that reading journey or that purchase journey, how can you turn that into a conversion point, um, successful one and one that's going to have, you know, potentially less situation where you're putting them in the wrong car, right? And you're you're delivering the thing that they know they want to buy and they end up buying the wrong thing. Uh, like you said, it's like making sure you, you're trying to personalize what they uh, purchase is likely um, the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's that um, a lot of businesses will have that one criteria for how we target someone for the next sell. So yeah. we, how many times do they use this app? They use it 10 times a month. Cool. Let's just uh, let's get in touch because they seem pretty pretty happy. Let's see if we can get some more money out of them. But really, it needs to be what are they doing those ten times a month? Yeah. Okay, that indicates they're pretty probably are still a basic user. There's there's no point trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess just a couple of questions more about your uh, experiences. Um, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Oh, I have so many, uh, especially in search engine optimization. Uh, it's just, a, um, unfortunately, in, in our space, in, in search engine optimization, content strategists, content marketing, you know, a lot of folks don't accurately represent uh, you know, how they make their money. Um, and so that manifests as marketing affiliates. Um, it manifests as people selling services um, that are attached to other vehicles. Uh, so I think that the biggest challenge I have is where, you know, marketing affiliates present their opinions as best practice or as facts. Um, and they are, you know, using persuasive or, you know, outright wrong <laughs> things uh, to sell or make money without uh, that disclaimer being clear. Um, I think it's really that bias has hurt the content marketing space over time. Um, the SEO space, certainly. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's where something that I'm passionate about is, you know, not necessarily outing these folks, but to really tell people, examine, understand who you're taking this advice from. I am clearly try. I desire, if you want to do content marketing, if you want to do search engine optimization, I certainly think that marketing needs, needs to be part of your arsenal. I also think you should buy Ocrefs and SEMrush and I also think that you probably need a competitive analysis solution that is for, you know, um, you know, particular like brand space and understanding PPC and what people are buying. Um, you know, I'm very, very transparent. It's the folks that um, skew their advice because of what they're selling that I feel is the biggest pain um, because you get people who are almost advocates or they, you know, they are, they're followers of these egotistical visages or these people who represent this one strategy and they do this strategy and it doesn't work for them. And they're like, oh, SEO is broken. You know, it doesn't work for my space. It doesn't work when really they were just following the wrong deity um, and they should have been focused on 
the um you know the facts and the best practices yeah yeah i know what you mean um yeah kind of marketing gurus who come out with this is the exact steps these are the exact yeah. steps i took to get a hundred thousand visits to my website Pain. and it just and, and then they sell that as a, a course or something yeah, and I, pe- I equate it to touts. I equate it to like sports picks, you know, like people like more gambling, you know, ga- gamblers yeah. and sports gamblers. Like this is my lock of the week, you know, like it, that. That's our. That's the case for us, and we've just got we still got a lot of grime that we need to clean up, and that's one of my big pet peeves. Yeah. Uh, so just finally, then, uh, is there a particular area of marketing that you think is is underrated at the moment? Um, I, I kind of talked about it um already a bit, but I'd say that uh. One underrated thing is, 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 especially if you're in social software as a service or B2B, um, is focusing on the value. Um, I think that there's a lot less, there's a, a lot fewer subject matter experts um, for this type of business. So that uh, what you end up leaning on is, hey, well, we're product led. We have a product led growth organization, which means that, you know, we're not driven by marketing. We're not doing traditional leads. So we don't need as much content or we only have content that's written by our engineers because it's about the product or by the product manager. Um, what that actually does is it lowers the value. Um, you still need the same fuel. You still need the same customer focus. You still need to understand the user journey and, and the value to get the maximum amount of people to engage with your product and have success. Um, so I think that the biggest underrated aspect right now is just keeping that customer focus, the empathy focus, the value focus, no matter what it is you're selling. So, yeah, you would need to need people to see the value of it. Um, but also without kind of cheapening it, I suppose, Mm -hmm. like if you, if you don't do that, you know, the, the risk with the, the kind of, uh, the engineer led marketing Mm -hmm. and stuff is that people start to think, well, if this is so easy, why, why does it cost three, four hundred dollars a month? Yep. Like exactly. you're, you're making you're making your tool sound tool sound really easy and so basic, yep. and that actually it's only going to save a bit of my time or something. Right. There must be there must be another tool out there that'll be cheaper. Yeah, exactly right. And you know, no one wants to buy features. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you, exactly. So you realize that so you realize that you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. Awesome. This has been really great stuff. Uh, I love talking about um, content marketing and, and AI and, and all the, the stuff that's going to come up over the next year or so. Um, if people want to get in touch, find out more from you, what's the best way of doing that? Um, my email is jeff at marketmuse.com. Um, Jeffrey underscore Coyle on Twitter. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn uh, actively as well. Um, I have a content strategy webinar series. Uh, you can find it if you type Market Muse content strategy webinars are probably just content strategy webinars into Google if I'm doing my job right, right? Uh, And uh, yeah, give me a buzz um, if you have any questions, but I've covered uh, probably every topic under the sun in that series um, or in our blog, or at least I've started to, and I've got a long journey to uh, ever cover everything comprehensively. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. So there's no doubt in my mind that AI is going to play a really big role in marketers' lives going forwards. We're already seeing it pop up in various places. But as Jeff mentioned, really dig into a company if you're thinking of working with them. Does their product have any real data science behind it? 
Or are they just analyzing some third-party data and getting an algorithm to spit out responses? I think one of the big takeaways from this, though, is, and it's kind of linked to that previous point, is that search volume isn't necessarily the, big, the key metric to be targeting. And that's what a lot of these uh, you know, lower quality tools will tell you. You really need to understand your audience and what their motivations are and tie that into keywords that reflect that motivation, as well as the content you're producing. For more information about AI, head over to uh, marketmuse.com. They've got a great webinar series you can check out. Let me know what you'd like to hear about in the coming weeks. Uh, just ping requests over to will at customerswhoclick.com. Next week, we'll be hearing from Matt Gillis, who's going to talk to us about voucher fraud and how certain extensions are ruining marketing attribution and stealing revenue. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Yeah.